Hello and welcome to Staking Mondays. We are live. My name is Ken. I'm here with the CEO and co-founder of Staking Rewards, Merkel Schmiedel. And today we are honored to host Suling Chen from RockX. RockX is a staking provider and node access service with over 900 million assets staked, 90 million in annual yield. And Zuling, let's hop right into the lightning round short answer questions. So what was the spark that made you decide to dedicate your life's work to crypto and staking? Yeah, so I, I guess I just can't resist my friends keep on bagging about talking about crypto back in 2016 and 17. And I decided just to give it a try. And that's how, you know, the whole story started. Awesome. That's great. And uh, what do you think is currently the most underrated project in crypto? Yeah, so I, I'm still like keep very close uh, with uh, Handshake. Yeah, because I think that's a project is like mostly run by community, super decentralized. Um, and also, you know, it comes with a big mission and also a very, very nice vision uh, I like. Yeah. And how about the most underrated person in crypto? <laughs> Um, so I, I think there are tons of them, um, but I'm going to just go with my, uh, my, 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 my colleague, uh, Guang Lei, uh, because he's super hardworking and super sharp, you know, working on a lot of exciting stuff, particularly on MPC. Um, yeah, so, you know, um, I, I think he's definitely underrated. Awesome. Really cool. And um, what's one learning from the last year that you will likely apply forever? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I would think, you know, if we look back, last year is probably the time that we can go out and talk to everyone that crypto is real. Yeah. The years before, you know, we can talk about it, but people think, yeah, 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 maybe or maybe not. But now, you know, the fundamentals are so, so clear. And now it has come to the time for builders. Right. And I, I think it has come to industri industry that is large enough for everyone to grow and also to test out things. Really excited about it. Yeah, it is super exciting. And what's one thing that you do to get away from all the hectic chaos in the crypto markets? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one thing about myself is that I don't really trade that much. So it kind of like take a lot of stress away from me. Um, but I would still say, you know, um, just do sports and go out uh, definitely helps a lot, you know, particularly in a time where, you know, there was COVID and there was a lot of uncertainty in the economy and the whole the whole political system. Um, yeah, so, you know, we should pay attention more to the outside world uh, instead of just looking at charts all the time. Very true. Well said. Sometimes it's better just to step outside, get some fresh air. All right. So some of the topics we are going to be discussing today, guys, is the biggest challenges of crypto, the life of a blockchain validator, liquid staking, MPC, and the validator landscape. So Zuling, let's hop right into these long form questions now. And Marco, take it away. Awesome. Sounds so really like, um, what do you think is currently like the biggest opportunity for crypto and in general, like as, as a very broad question, like what is the biggest opportunity for crypto? And also on the other side, what is the biggest challenge for crypto today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, the biggest opportunity for us is about the timing or the stage where crypto is. Yeah. I would like to think about crypto is like the internet business back in the eighties. It's as slow, you know, the blockchains are slow as the internet back in the 80s. And also a lot of fundamental infrastructures are still missing, right? And also there is a uh, education needed uh, to cultivate users, right? And also to find out 
how can we move away from just you know information listing on internet to something bigger? Um, so I think you know the the opportunity here is really it, it applies to everyone, right? If you are a uh, technical person, there are tons of stuff you can build on uh, in crypto. If you are a um, you know if you are a more like a community kind kind of like uh, people who like to use try out new stuff, you know there are forums, there are projects that would like to hear you out. So you can always play an important part in, in that. And of course, if you're a trader or investor, you know, make sure that, okay, if, if you have made some money, uh, do invest some of them partially back so that you can support a really cool projects. And maybe, you know, you could be an investor of one of the next unicorns uh, in the space. Yeah, so I don't think there was ever a better time to get into crypto uh, compared to, uh, you know, uh, right now. Absolutely. And we actually just had a, a really catastrophic event in the greater market uh, this past month with the Terra Luna and UST uh, DPEG event. Um, so how has the Terra crash affected you and what are your learnings out of that situation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was a very unfortunate uh, incident. And I think, you know, it kind of took everybody uh, by, by surprise. Um, so we we started validating Terra uh, since 2019. Um, so we've been you know uh, doing that since the testnet. I've seen the you know the, the growth, the fantastic growth, right? Uh, and I think you know there was definitely a lot of uh, attractions that they get developers in. Um, yeah, the past few weeks has been extremely busy for us. You know, starting with first collectively as all the validators, we need to halt the the chain because otherwise there was a lot of issues. But then after a while, you know, we also need to let uh, some of the foreign assets to leave uh, from the Terra chain. So, you know, we have to do another coordination with validators across the globe uh, just to let, you know, to, to restart it. And after that, there was a long discussion of, okay, what will be the plan forward for Terra? Uh, and hence, you know, now there is a Terra 2.0. Um, so we are we're still validating both Terra Classic and also the new one uh, because we are holding the view that, okay, the UST experiment failed, actually failed in a, bit, uh, in a bit, big time, right? However, there are still projects and developers who, who want to, you know, build and also carry on on, on, the, on the Terra chain. So hence, you know, there is, there is still a need uh, for the chain to exist. So I think the, the biggest learning for us is, in fact, you know, during such a uh, tragedy, um, you know, each each company and also each person do need to have a certain risk control. Um, yeah, because this incident actually impacts more than validators, right? It also impacts all the investors that have staked, but also people who jump in you know, in the middle of the free fall and trying to speculate on that. Um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, people do need to think about, okay, in, in such a, a situation, what should we do? Um, yeah, and, and I, hopefully, you know, uh, after this, uh, we will also think about, okay, whether, uh, what is a better way to do algorithm stable coin? Because that one has actually, you know, had a few, uh, quite a number of uh, incidences uh, since last year. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's really interesting to hear that you're 
still supporting uh, the Terra Classic chain and Terra 2.0. So uh, that leads us right into the next question, sort of. Um, you're also supporting, you know, major assets like ETH 2.0, Solana, Polkadot, uh, Osmosis, Kuzama, the list goes on and on. Uh, but how do you actually decide which networks to support? And is there any kind of re-evaluation process that those assets go through on maybe a biannual or annual basis? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we uh, at RockX, we, we like to look at every single blockchain like a internet sovereignty. And staking for us is basically the sovereignty bond, yeah. Um, and our mission here is basically to have to bring in that bond together with the yield to anyone who is interested in that. And of course, you know, we, we started with uh, serving some large institutions. Um, and so, from a compliance and also from a risk management perspective, we started with supporting all the blue chips. So we look at we we, we try to support. All the top 50 or top 100 uh, in, in the space, yeah. Um, but you know, as uh, once we started, uh, once we have supported all of them, uh, we expanded our view to say that okay, as a validator, our role is not only just for layer one, but also we should support layer two and also uh, uh, cross chain bridges, right? Because in all those three type of uh, uh, of protocols, there is a role for validators. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how we have expanded our um, uh, our, our involvement in the whole ecosystem. Uh, we do look at uh, our portfolio uh, once a year, um, but however, if our clients do have a need for for some smaller or emerging block uh, protocols, we also help them uh, to do a hosted node for our clients. Awesome. And so what do you say to someone like who's considering to run their own validators, just to like spin up their entirely own operations, similar to like what, what you do exactly compared to like delegating with you? Like what, what is the biggest challenge and um, what's the overhead like to run validators yourself, basically, for someone who's considering that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, we, we definitely think, you know, uh, hobbyists or large companies, if they have an interest to run validators, um, you know, by all means, they should do it, right? Because this also in increases uh, the overall uh, decentralization uh, in the whole network, right? And also, this probably, you know, in the future makes them to also think about whether this is something for the for themselves. Um, so I, I think for, uh, you know, people individually running validators, uh, a couple of things they need to watch out for is number one, uh, the uh, which is the overhead, right? So that's the server cost. Um, not all the blockchains are, have the same requirements for server specifications. Um, you know, as we know that Solana and a few other ones are getting, uh, are having very demanding hardware specs, but at the same time, you know, the bandwidth requirement has been increasing as well. Um, and what we have uh, been observing and also we think, you know, could even uh, increase further in the in, in the future is that as usage increases, uh, you know probably it, it gets even more demanding on the hardware side. So which sometimes will need us to do a bit of optimization on the P2P layer or even on the on the protocol level. Yeah, so that's something that you know um, I, I think you know uh, hobbyists should take uh, should watch out for their cost. Uh, and all, of course the second thing here is about 
the security part, right? Um, you know, we do 24-7 monitoring, so we try to, you know, make sure all the validators are running uh, all the time. Um, and also, since people stake on us, so we try to, we, we, we always try to make sure that private keys are stored very securely. Uh, so for other people, for individual uh, individuals who are running validators, I think their private key management also needs to be uh, taken care of. Yeah, some really important points there on security, uh, network hardware requirements. Um, maybe a follow-up question there. From all your knowledge you've gathered running uh, validation services from many different networks, what network would a hobbyist most easily start running their own validator on? Mm. Out of, out of maybe just if I think about, you know, out of all the um, major ones, um, I would say in the past, it was more on the, uh, the Cosmos ecosystem, right? So like uh, Osmosis or Terra, or even could be like uh, UMI. So those ones are quite uh, pretty straightforward to run uh, because also the server requirement is, is quite reasonable. Awesome, cool. So maybe someone watching could uh, spin up their own node later on in, in one of those uh, Cosmos-based ecosystems. Very cool. Um, so the staking market is very much becoming consolidated with many exchanges acquiring professional validator services. You mentioned previously uh, decentralization is a good thing when hobbyists or institutions decide to spin up their own nodes. Uh, but how will this consolidation of validator services within exchanges how will that affect decentralization of blockchains? And what is the importance, again, of these smaller independent validator operators joining ecosystems? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, as you rightly pointed out, Ken, um, you know, a lot of exchanges are uh, setting up or acquiring uh, professional validators just to offer services uh, to their own customers. Um, this does you know, uh, bring up a question of right uh, whether in the future those large organizations will control uh, more than 51% of the whole network. And, you know, uh, if in that case, uh, you know, this does not really feel like a very decentralized network at all. Um, I would think, I, I think that similar concerns um, happened during the, uh, during the uh, BTC, um, uh, BTC mining pools. Uh, where the, the top 10 actually has a significant uh, stake uh, for all, right? Um, but the good thing in POS world is that, you know, people, it's much easier to uh, to move out uh, from some of the va uh, validators. Um, but I, I, but I, I think another thing, another reason why um, the exchanges are getting so much traction and also so much volumes um, and also potentially for staking is also because of uh, right now, a lot of people tend to store their tokens in, uh, in an exchange instead of having their own non-custodian wallet, right? So this gives a this gives a advantage to the exchanges that, okay, all the tokens are stored over there just for the ease of use. Yeah, so um, I think this is gonna uh, stay as it is for, for a while uh, until people change their mindset and also their behavior. Uh, but if we think about, you know, maybe back in 2017, there was not even trades on DEX. All the trades were on a centralized exchange, right? 
But five years later, um, the you know the trading volume uh, on, on DEXs are actually uh, you know comparable to what has happening on centralized exchange. So if that trend continue, continues to to grow, uh, this also means that you know more more assets or tokens will be in non-custodial uh, wallets. Um, so I think you know in a, if that happens, uh, e either DEX will work with um, uh, in independent validators to kind of bring in that decentralized or non-custodial staking service as a whole, or people will look for uh, independent validators. Yeah. Um, also, I'm, I, I think, you know, funds will, would also sometimes uh, prefer to stake on a, uh, either a, their own or smaller or independent validators. Uh, yeah, just for the, for the sake of uh, decentralization. And also, perhaps you know, this is uh, for consideration of governance votes, because uh, if you if you do staking a uh, bio exchange, um, I mean, right now I haven't really tried exchange staking, so I'm not so sure how how uh, how uh, governance voting would take place for them. Well, what do you think? Which role would liquid staking play, like in the whole like decentralization play? Will it like lead to? further centralization or rather further decentralization of the space because it takes like like it has the same value proposition as like an exchange for example um that you have liquidity over your funds um, but at the same time if like everything goes to one liquid staking uh solution then it's also um kind of a centralization issue so do you think like liquid staking is good or bad for decentralization yeah mm. So this is a very um, interesting question. I, I think you know a, a lot of factors play um, uh, happens at the same time. So we're still trying to see how how the dynamics would play out. Um, so on one hand, uh, we, we we are a fan. We're a fan of uh, of liquid staking. Yeah, uh, particularly we have seen the effect how liquid staking on ETH has promoted staking during the period that uh, unstaking is not enabled yet. Yeah, so you know, definitely that has uh, so liquid staking has a a, a very clear benefit uh, to the whole system, and also we believe that okay, this may also get some of the traders or even someone who is in need of liquidity um, to also participate in staking. Um, you know, so this kind of removes certain part of the entry barrier uh, and get more people to get into staking. Um, However, like like you said, you know, um, this staking, liquid staking, feels like you know this is something that people naturally favors the the bigger ones, the ones that with the the best liquidity. Um, so Lido, in fact, has been discussing very extensively uh, internally and also openly uh, whether they should limit themselves uh, to a certain a market share. Um, we are one of the uh, uh, staking providers for Lido, so we are also, you know, thinking very hard and trying to make uh, sense out of this. Um, yeah, um, but I, I think the the interesting question here would be, uh, let's say if one liquid staking provider is the largest for now, can they actually maintain that? Because I'm holding a view that liquid liquidity, especially though the ones are not uh, doing uh, delegation for long. Uh, they're more just uh, go go after liquidity and also APY. Um, they may not have that much of uh, loyalty to certain protocol, right? So 
um, there is always an opportunity that, okay, other liquid staking pro, uh, uh, projects uh, comes up and those liquidity may move to the next one. Uh, how likely is that? I'm not so sure, but I, I think, you know, there is a likelihood and we're also very interested to see, you know, how this would play out uh, once uh, merge and also withdraw is enabled. Um, and secondly, again, here is about the voting part. Uh, with liquid staking, you know, how would voting happens? Uh, because this actually has a lot of implications, especially security implications uh, to the blockchain itself, right? So who's, you know, if slash happens, who is gonna be, um, who is gonna be, you know, uh, uh, hold accountable for that? Um, and also, you know, whether this makes people feel that they can get much easily uh, away from uh, a, a blockchain. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I guess I, I can't really give you a very uh, a clear answer to, to say, you know, uh, how good is, uh, uh, is liquid staking. Um, but yeah. I, I think, you know, right now in your, in your market, this is something that is definitely needed. And, um, and it, it requires a lot of very close observation for, uh, for us to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, it's already a great observation that, that liquid staking has definitely helped to like improve adoption of staking and like way more people are staking because of that, because it's much easier to stake and you have the liquidity and so on. So it's definitely a, a great thing. Um, I fully agree that the whole thing is not figured out yet. So um, we, we'll see where that goes over the next years. Um, you are also working on like MPC technolo technology, I believe. Um, so th that's also in, in relation to what we just talked about, like how will, or like maybe you can just um, explain MPC um, for someone who hasn't heard about it, um, like in, in very simple terms, and then explain like how this will change the world of staking in the coming years, you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for us, what we believe is that one of the largest challenge or the potential risk in this space, or at least when people get into this space, is how to make their private key not forgotten or not being stolen, right? Because that's the only uh, that's the only way you know to prove that certain assets belongs to you. Um, so what MPC does, uh, you know, just um, particularly on smart uh, on, on private key, is that um, when a private key is generated instead of generated or displayed it in, in full in full term uh, the mpc would do something called uh, decentralized key generation dkg so that the private key is generated in different shares so no one has ever seen the full private key yeah then after that uh, the different shares can be stored you know in different locations or even being uh, shared by uh, different people um, so when, whenever, you know, a full private key needs to and is needed to perform a, a signature, that's where the multiple parties will be coordinated to sign collectively. And again, during the sign process, the full private key is never disclosed or reviewed in any ways. Yeah. So in this way, you know, number one, uh, it's very hard for anyone to, to steal the whole private key. And secondly, uh, the shares can be reshared, or meaning can be sent to other people, or it, it can be cut in different uh, pieces uh, in the future. So this makes things more much easier 
for multiple people uh, to work together. Um, so when we started to look at MPC, uh, actually we look at not from a wallet private key perspective, we were looking at how to make validators more secure, right? So in the current setup, every, every validator needs to hold a full private key in order to sign. Yeah, so this makes it a one-to-one -one relationship. We have a server and we have a validator. So if there's, the server holds the full private key and hence need to sign on behalf of the validator. So if the server is down, the validator is also down. Um, this is less of a concern, you know, if uh, we're just managing, let's say, a few or 10 validators or servers. However, in the situation of uh, Ethereum 2.0, where, you know, collectively there's going to be maybe hundreds of thousands or even millions of validators in the future. And for us, we are already managing uh, around 10,000 validators. Um, it's, we, we try to move from this one-to-one -one relationship of managing 10,000 valid uh, servers into more like a pool concept. You know, as long as we manage the majority of the servers to be uh, uh, online and they can, be, they can sign for 100% of all the validators, that is a much safer way uh, set up, you know, to make the whole network more secure. Um, so that was the... the you know, the, the angle that we look at it. So we, we've been working on this together with the SSV team uh, in Israel, where they have been working on the uh, signing the signing part and also the coordination among all the, all the uh, node operators, uh, where we focus on the MPC part and, uh, and also the, uh, the, the key sharing part. Um, yeah, so this is something we think, you know, definitely is gonna help uh, all the, validators, uh, not just ourselves, but, you know, this also opens up a lot of new possibilities of how validators could work together. Yeah, and <clears throat> regarding MPC, that sounds like it's going to be some groundbreaking advancement in regards to uh, key storage with validators. And uh, I think the whole industry is going to appreciate uh, the work you're doing there. Um, so getting back to the concept of, of liquid staking, uh, do you think that this concept of staking delegations will even still exist in the future or will the whole experience kind of be abstracted away via liquid staking? Uh, call it five years in the future. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, again, I am not, I don't think all the blockchains are big fans of liquid staking. Um, I remember some of the uh, blockchain teams actually have openly said that, okay, they're concerned about, uh, too much liquid staking because uh, it may create a situation, uh, you know, uh, nothing's at stake, you know, for people, right? Or, you know, this could naturally make some of the validators too big, uh, you know, and also having too much of a, a, a say on a blockchain. Um, yeah, so, and also, you know, what, what we think here is that if, if, uh, you know, uh, POS tokens, the layer one uh, tokens, uh, will uh, are recognized as the digital petroleum, um, you know, or as a, a financial asset that uh, is adopted by financial institutions. Yeah. So financial institutions, unlike trading firms who are much more favor uh, in favor of liquidity, 
Um, so those institutions may hold a much longer view and they prefer delegation. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, from a from the a blockchain uh, team perspective, they may not 100% be big fan of liquid staking. Uh, they still want to have a bit of uh, delegation. Uh, then from the, the customer side, there are uh, different types of customers who would probably in favor of delegation uh, as opposed to liquid staking. Yeah, because, you know, end of the day, liquid staking is kind of a derivative um, and it always comes with a, you know, there are, it basically introduce a bit of uh, some additional risks compared to non-custodial delegation staking, right? So you always have the smart contract risk and also you do have a risk of, you know, the, um, uh, uh, the uh, uh, in, in, uh, in the secondary market, you know, how, how the swap ratio would look like. Yeah. And we probably have to mention that like on Ethereum, there's no concept of delegations as well. So um, it's probably one of the reasons why liquid staking is, is so big on Ethereum. Um, but this is also where like MPC technology and what you're working on could actually make a difference there. Um, so do you think like this will be like um, the, the future? I, I, I remember like one week ago or something, someone from the Ethereum Foundation also had a post on... Uh, liquid staking derivatives that it, it poses a risk. However, like on the other side, like there is a like 32 ease requirement for running a validator. Mm -hmm. And then the, the MPC technology will actually allow someone without 32 ease to run a validator, right? Um, how, how, how would that look like in the future, you think? Mm. Yeah. Um, so how we look at it is that basically liquid staking and MPC are, uh, are two complementary uh, technology um, because um, liquid staking is more just on the on the token side. Uh, you know, it's basically a kind of like a staking pool, right? To collect all the tokens together, uh, but then it still goes down to okay, every thirty-two ETH on one validator, and then we need to make sure all the validators are safe. Uh, MPC, at least uh, as what we are working on right now, is more to work on the full validator set. Yep. So, you know, a, a group of validators could collectively making sure all of them are online. Um, what we think is that this could this could make the whole validator uh, a set permissionless. So it could be a situation where uh, a few uh, professional validators uh, and also work with a few hobbyists together as a group and using MPC. So this group of validators would be always secure. Yeah, uh, or it could be that, okay, maybe even large institutions or exchanges, uh, they could use MPC to make all the validators collectively securing each other. Um, yeah, so in fact, like Lido uh, and other liquid staking providers, they are also looking at, um, you know, using MPC for their future version because they think, you know, this is a uh, addition to their uh, existing security uh, method. That makes sense, yeah. So what, what, what do you think will the blockchain landscape look like in general in the coming years? Like, will there be many different interconnected layer ones um, or will everything happen on Ethereum eventually? Like we, we've seen like the um, like many different layer ones pop up. Do you think there, there will be around in a few years or like do you think everything will just consolidate on Ethereum because they have such a, a huge edge? Um, with like once the merge happen, then like they basically are fully scalable as well. And 
yeah, what's your take on that? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I'm holding the view that there is going to be a, um, a group of uh, a layer one blockchains existing and they will be interconnected, right? Um, the reason for that is that Ethereum definitely has the largest you know, fan base, particularly, you know, the smart brains of developers and also, you know, the amount of um, uh, tools and infrastructures for developers. Yeah, so that one definitely, you know, is Ethereum is definitely number one for that. Uh, however, um, I think, you know, people still have like different uh, um, a preference in terms of, uh, you know, what kind of blockchain technology they would like to have, right? So some people may, uh, you know, favor Polkadot uh, because of the overall architecture um, and, you know, also some of the designs that they have done. So, for example, I think Polkadot has a very well thought through a wallet system and also their uh, their their validate their their delegation staking mechanism is uh, is designed pretty smart that you know you can use proxies and not move and make your and no one touches your your main wallet etc um, you know and so, sometimes you know maybe people just favor something that is like way faster right um, or even uh, blockchains with uh, with privacy features. Um, so I, I think, you know, Ethereum is flexible. However, you know, it may not be uh, versatile enough to, to meet everyone's need. Um, and also, you know, given that different blockchains has a huge uh, uh, war chest uh, to incentivize developers uh, and also, you know, to kind of uh, build their own uh, fan base. Um, like, we, you know, what we have seen that uh, Solana has been pushing a lot on NFT. Um, you know, some other uh, blockchains are doing other stuff. Um, yeah, so I, I think there are definitely th those th those blockchains will definitely coexist uh, for for a long time. Absolutely, yeah. it does make sense. Yeah, and I think. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and um, I think you know you made a great point there. A world of uh, many layer ones in the future uh, with all different characteristics, the versatility, uh, but being interoperable as well. And talking more about RockX here. So you guys are, are one of seemingly thousands of validators out in the market today, uh, but how do you differentiate yourselves from other validators? And why would uh, the everyday person delegate their stake with you instead of one of these other validators in the market? Mm -hmm. Yep, okay. Um, yeah, so first of all, okay, if you look at most of the validators, they are mostly, uh, you know, uh, either in Europe or in, uh, uh, in America. Yeah, so we are kind of unique in the sense that, you know, we're one of the early validators that, uh, that is fully based in, uh, in Asia. So we're based in Singapore. Yeah. We also think that, you know, in the future, uh, you know, if you want to have, if you want to contribute to the full decentralization of uh, uh, blockchains, uh, you should also consider, you know, delegate some of your tokens, not probably not full, but some of your tokens uh, in the in the Asian regime. Yeah, because uh, we may have like different ways of running, uh, running validators. Uh, we're running like different time zones, etc. Um, yeah, so that, that's number one. And also number two, uh, for us, staking is the starting point because we would love to make all the blockchains secure and also, you know, make staking accessible to everyone um, and for us we actually take staking a bit 
And besides staking, uh, we also pro uh, provide uh, access node points, you know, for developers and also for uh, institutions, either to interact with blockchains or, you know, just to look at all the data on blockchain. Um, yeah, so we really want to make ourselves as kind of a, a gateway for people to get into this space. Yeah, so what we believe is that, okay, you need access points and also you need uh, private key management. That's why we're working on MPC. And ultimately, good, you know, you have tokens now. And if you want to, you know, contribute to validation and gain staking yield, that's what we can do uh, for the community. That's awesome. Yeah. And I have a question, like, how do you handle governance decisions, actually, like for, for all the networks that you support, Validate is also a very strong governance um, yeah, participator in like from, from voting to ideation and so on. Um, how, how do you handle that um, internally? Like, how do you decide what to vote on and so on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so in the past, there was a period, actually, we do not do voting. Uh, this depends, right? Because uh, for certain blockchains, they actually set, because uh, they separate, they, they still keep the, the voting rights uh, with, with the token holders. Um, yeah, so that's why, you know, there was, a, there was a period that we think, okay, we should stay neutral because we're validators. We should just focus on, you know, doing validation right. Um, yeah, so there, that, was, that has been a period that we were not so much involved in a lot of discussions. Uh, but more and more uh, since last year, uh, we start to get more involved in those uh, decisions. So that's where we talk to our clients uh, just to understand, okay, what's their view uh, on certain things, uh, on those uh, proposals. Uh, and uh, actually in the future, this is something that we're testing out uh, together with Interchain FM because we're running a, a few uh, validators uh, on behalf of Interchain FM. So we're thinking of just having like a very quick community call uh, just to list out, okay, so for, for these valid, for let's say for Osmosis or for Wumi, these are the proposals uh, that is in the pipeline. And this is what we think. And we can ask what, what do our community uh, think about it? Uh, so this is something that we are trying to work on. Um, but yeah, we, we need a bit more time and just to make things like in place. Really cool. So, um, and like, apart from all these like validation and like the access node, like what else are you working on and how does your roadmap look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple of the interesting things we, we, we've been working on. Um, so the first one is that uh, we have been working on uh, Lido of Avalanche. Uh, so this is, um, so we, we are the team together with Hyper Elliptic, who is in uh, UK. Uh, so we've been working on together uh, liquid staking on Avalanche for Lido. And in this case, we, we indeed introduced MPC uh, for, this, uh, uh, for the design uh, due to the multi-chain nature. And also, you know, the, the uh, P-chain uh, of Avalanche does not have smart contract. So we thought, we thought the, the safest way is to have an MPC that controls all the, all the tokens. Um, yeah, so um, we are on the final stage of finalizing all the designs uh, for this protocol. And once it's ready, uh, you know, all the, all the uh, AVAX token holders uh, can start to do uh, liquid staking um, of, uh, on Lido. Yeah. Um, so the second thing is about uh, the uh, distributed validator infrastructure. So that is a part we're using MPC. 
to make uh, uh, to, to make a validator set more secure, and they can collectively sign uh, sign blocks. Um, yeah, and recently we have been more focusing on our access nodes uh, because we we think okay, now it's bear market. It's sad. However, this is also the time that developers can focus on, you know, exciting stuff. And we want them to have uh, affordable, but also uh, high performance access points, whether, you know, this is about scanning through all the, all the transactions or this is about sending out uh, messages. Um, yeah, so these are the things that we have been working on. Um, on the institutional side, we are working with a few Asian uh, institutions uh, to launch staking solutions to their customers. So these are, uh, you know, asset management firms that they're, they're uh, with us, their, their customers will be able to enjoy staking yield. Yeah, very awesome what you're doing um, with all your developments here. I mean, sp even specifically with MPC, I think that's uh, really, you can't, value that enough, uh, helping with the security of the validators across many different networks. And um, again, I think everyone in the industry appreciates your work and efforts there. Uh, so now we move into the show where we break some announcements live uh, on Staking Mondays here today. So feel free to go ahead and uh, give your announcement, Zooling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, I would like just, you know, uh, pointed out that we have recently sh uh, uh, launched our uh, access node portal. So meaning that if you go to visit uh, www.rockx.com and go to the access node part, so that's where you can just register and get free access to over 20 POS blockchains. Um, so you can you can test them out. And also the rate limit should be sufficient for most of the uh, developers to test out things. Um, and it's for free. Yeah? If you need like more uh, sophisticated access node, you can always contact us. Awesome. So this is a this is a tool where any developer can go to, right? Um, to just like build the applications on on top of the nodes. Um, are there any other use cases outside of like yeah developers um, who are building decentralized applications for that? Mm -hmm. um, so we have clients who are, uh, let's say, custodians or wallets. Um, so they've been using those uh, access nodes from us uh, to scan through all the blocks so that they know, uh, you know, what are the payments or what are the transfers uh, have got into their wallets. Awesome. Yeah, re really cool. Um, so let's move over to the community questions for today. Uh, we have... Um, First question here from Jamie, like what is the best way to stake Ethereum right now in a decentralized manner? Like what's your, what, what's your take, Zilling? Yeah, if we're talking about a fully decentralized manner, I would still think that, okay, if you have 32 ETH, uh, probably it's worth, you know, doing a one, set up one validator of your own. Yeah, um, if, if not enough, um, yeah, either you have to go with a liquid staking solution uh, or uh, go with an exchange for that. That makes sense. That's, yeah, that's that, that's great. And um, and another question, because you talked about like you are being from Asia, um, which is obviously great for decentralization. Um, and have you heard about any validators from Africa, for example, or like any other underrepresented um, like uh, yeah, areas in the world 
Mm, yeah, that's actually a very fair question. That's a super good question. Uh, you know, we, we know uh, quite a few, you know, uh, from uh, from Latin America or from uh, uh, most of the other continents. Um, Africa, I'm sure I've come across a few uh, like uh, individuals running validators. However, as a more well, as a, like a, a team or professional staking provider, I'm not really. Yeah, but it could also be due to my ignorance, right? Because maybe I haven't really spent much time looking into that. Definitely something for us to do a little more research on to see if we can continue diversifying stake across the continents as well. So uh, really great insights here today. And um, Zuling, what's the best way to follow your latest developments and whatever else you're working on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, the easiest way is to follow us on Twitter. Um, so that's Rockex Official. Or uh, or visit our website, uh, where we'll set, we'll put up all the uh, latest announcements and also up, updates uh, over there. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Seems like a lot of the audience in the comment section enjoys your service as well. For everyone watching, please hit that like button. Be sure to subscribe to our channel if you haven't already, and you can check out previous episodes of Staking Mondays available on YouTube and Spotify. For Mirko Zuling, I'm Ken. As always, guys, happy staking. Happy staking.